Hey guys, I'm senior editor Britt Smith and welcome to One on One, a podcast where we feature open, dynamic conversations with your favorite men's journal personalities. We recently caught up with Bob Odenkirk, who's probably best known for his role as Saul Goodman, everyone's favorite devious lawyer from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. In his latest venture, the actor's trading in his leisure suits for guns in the new action flick, Nobody, in which he plays a suburban dad who morphs into an unexpected action hero. Our writer, James Hyden-Reed, talks to Odenkirk about doing his own stunts for the film, why this movie was personal for him, and his stint as a writer on SNL. There's so much that drove it, to be honest with you. It is crazy. In a weird way, it's a personal movie. <laughs> it's so, How so weird. Well, my family's had two break-ins, and one was particularly traumatic. And I think I did the right things. Uh, well, I didn't do anything in one case, but I didn't do much in the other either. I tried to keep things from escalating. You were at home when they broke in? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, both in, in, in California? Yeah, in Los Angeles. Wow. A lot of people, mentally ill people and a lot of drug addicts and a lot of people with both. Uh, and, uh, and so the residue of those incidents was a lot of uh, self-questioning about, you know, what should I do and Mm-hmm. what kind of action should you take and, and, and a certain degree of anger. And this was an opportunity to show that and explore that and tell the story of a, a vengeance story, you know, mm-hmm. um, definitely built out of, uh, you know, the Charles Bronson movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it blows up to, to a, a fantastical, very conceptualized extent Mm -hmm. but it starts with this core of feeling and frustration and anger and rage that is very genuine to me uh something i've definitely felt and grappled with and wanted to explore and wanted to present on screen um a lot of people would say that is unhelpful (laughs) (laughs) but i would say uh i disagree with you um So I think there's something to be said for showing our feelings. Uh, one of the places to do and say strong things is, is in art and in theater and in stories. And, uh, and to just take uh, all those feelings that we have, uh, whether they're desires for um, a sweet and gentle fantasy of, of life or whether they're angry desires or whether they're porn. i'm kidding (laughs) but no this is a place for people to show things and explore things and uh that's what we did the other thing was i uh, the other drive for this was i've been a lead in a tv show for five years now i've really enjoyed it um i like the uh journey that you get to go on as a leading character which tends to be a, a sort of a a more interesting and circuitous and and sort of surprising journey often Mm -hmm. than than a character actor is invited to do. Um, And I wanted a chance at uh, a lead in a movie and and one that would play around the world. And that that all adds up to uh, action, especially because of the character I play in Better Call Saul, who who is in a lot of ways like a character from an action movie, except he doesn't fight. But otherwise, he exhibits a lot of the same um, impulses, which is to say they're not all good impulses. 
and they drive him to do things, to take action, um, and often to, to fail, but to keep trying. Hmm. And that is all um, some version of, a, of an action lead. So we just committed to um, going all the way with it. And I wanted to, <clears throat> my goal almost right from the start, when I talked to my manager about this, very quickly it came to me that if I was to get the opportunity to do this, doing it with any irony would probably be a mistake because I come from comedy. I did comedy for almost purely for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to just sort of land in, the, in this place and to, and to play these emotions, um, I think I needed to just go all the way and, and deprive myself of that outlet that, that right. you know, irony gives you and comedy gives you. Mm-hmm. So I did that. You know, it's brutal. It's a brutal movie. And it's, it, you could say it's ugly feelings that are being expressed, but I think they're, they're honest feelings too. They're things that people feel and share. And it goes right down to the title, Nobody, which I think a lot of men can relate to feeling, especially later and when they're 40 and 50 years old and their kids are growing up and you have a sense of, you know, well, what am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do if I'm not supposed to do anything? Mm-hmm. If, if I'm supposed to help the family and society by getting out of the way and sitting quietly on my hands, what the hell? I don't know how, what I'm supposed to do. If, right. if that's what everyone's saying, if you want to contribute, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And, and it gets, and, and I, and I think that, you know, it's Probably question. the answer to that question is not pull out a gun and start shooting. <laughs> but, it, but in a movie, in a movie, you can. It's it's not real. Do you personally own a firearm? I do not. And then how did you? How, how did how did you? You want to ask me if I would? Would you? I'd be willing to. I, I'd consider it for sure. After the experience of this movie, yeah, right. After being around guns, uh, which I'm very awkward around, and I'm still not anywhere near, um, I would even say proficient really with, uh, I think you have to, I mean, they're built to kill. They're machines for killing. So you should get pretty good at it before you Uh take one home. But I do think that I see them more as tools now. Uh, They're objects. Uh, You know, what you do with them is up to you. And the people I was around who trained me on them, in particular, Mark Simos, a Navy SEAL, who uh, is now a writer here in Hollywood and a great guy, and he trained me, showed me uh, people who handle guns with great responsibility and and a great uh, sense of, of their import. And I think that I could see how you could have one now. And, and if you trained with it and if you kept it safe and if you didn't perceive it as your first line of defense, mm-hmm. it's just never really going to be a valid first line of defense. Right. Um, it's always going to be something that only in the most extreme circumstance would you uh, even be lucky to have access to it, even if you kept it in your house. Right. You still need to deal with a lot of other questions um, to deal with the kind of um, surprise and impromptu nature of a, of an, of real break-ins. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things that 
it seems from just being able to watch the trailer that you have a you know very special skill set. Part of it is crisis management. Um, have you learned anything applicable to your personal life or uh, from what you learned from guys like the Navy SEAL trainer, others who? Well, I did learn that, you know, guns are incredibly uh, hard to manage, you know, um, and to, to rely upon. I mean, you have to do a real, a lot of training. And in fact, my friend uh, Mark said uh, he would never grab a pistol to protect himself. And he's a sharpshooter. Uh, he said, I would always grab a shotgun <laughs> because he said a pistol is just too unreliable. It's just, Interesting. You, you, you know, getting steady uh, aim with a pistol in a, in a moment of danger and, and uncertainty and chaos is just, it's still, it's not the smart route to go. Interesting. Um, um, but really, I, I think I learned from most of these guys who think about these things and, and do these things, most of the pros uh, who've dealt with real uh, violence and, and confrontation would say, um, get the fuck out of the, where you are. Yeah, that's interesting. If you have any option to leave the place you're in, leave. That's number one, always. I asked my friend Mark, Daniel Bernhardt, who's a great action actor, uh, and he trained me for the acting sequences, for the action acting. Uh, and he was also the stunt choreographer on the movie. Um, and he's one of the greats. You've seen him in Atomic Blonde and mm -hmm. you've seen him in all the John Wicks and everything. He's just one of the fucking best stunt fighters alive. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, and he's a great actor as well. He was in Barry last season. Um, I asked him, what would you do? You know, what do you do when people confront guys like you? You know, because dude, people do want to oftentimes drunk guys want to pick on the, the biggest, scariest guy. Yeah. He goes, I leave. I get out of there. And the first thing I would always do is run. Always, always. Hmm. You don't want to get in a fight. Fights don't end well. It's not good to get your nose broken. It's not good to lose teeth. Nobody wants their jaw broken. Uh -huh. And you, you know, just get the hell out of there. That's number one, always. Hmm. And, and so, you know, but secondly, it, it, it is, I'll be honest with you. It was nice to learn even the amount that I did. Of, of boxing, of fight, of defensive moves, uh, of you know, because what I was taught uh, at eighty seven eleven by Daniel Bernhardt is a mixture of jujitsu and karate and boxing and uh, kung fu and everything. They just take, they just steal from all these different disciplines, mm -hmm. things that look good on screen. Mm -hmm. And then you learn them, you're, you're kind of learning the core basics, but then it's the moves are exaggerated for the screen. So when I would train with the boxer, uh, actually a, um, a WWE e fighter um, in Albuquerque, who would train me when I wasn't able to get back to LA while I was shooting Better Call Saul, he would watch me do my boxing moves and he would like be like, what, what are you doing? WWE or MMA? Oh, he was MMA. Sorry, MMA. Real boxers would balk and even laugh at the, at the version of boxing that I was doing right. because it's exaggerated and you're constantly throwing your punches wide mm -hmm. so that 
you can see them on camera, mm -hmm. you know, um, and of course you'd be opening yourself up. You also hold your hands lower because mm -hmm. so that people can see your face. And so a real boxer's like, get your hands up, get your hands right. up. And, and I need to learn a version of all these things that right. looks good on screen. But it was fun to learn that stuff and it makes you feel a little slight, little bit safer about, you know, what if there's somebody in the house or what if I have to interact with somebody who's uh, maybe intent on being violent or uh, yeah, who's not afraid sure. of physical conflict. And how, how, did you, how did you even get attached to this movie by the John Wick guys? Oh, I, uh, well, I had the idea for there being, for me doing an action movie. And I had this notion of a, of a dad who's pretty much hidden himself. And, and then there's these break-ins or a break-in and he, in his quest to, he, he, and he doesn't know what to do with his rage and frustration afterwards. And I imagine that if I was a person who'd had some past as a violent uh, person, mm -hmm. that holding on to those feelings would be even harder than it is for me. Right. Because let's say you're a person who actually is trained to fight. Well, then you feel like you could have done something. Whereas right. I'm like, well, what would I have done? I mean, come on, I don't know any fighting. But a, a person who'd, who'd fought and who'd maybe uh, even done some military style actions in their past would feel, it would be even harder to deal with the feeling of swallowing um, their anger and desire for vengeance or to strike back. So I had that idea. We went to a couple writers. People said it was, you know, look, first of all, I thought I'd get laughed at for saying it. I just said, I don't know, what about me in an action movie? I'm in good shape. I can get in better shape. Uh, I think I kind of play an action character in Better Call Saul, and that's how I'm known in China and Russia and Turkey and mm -hmm. Latin America. I mean, I'm not known for Mr. Show or Saturday Night Live mm -hmm. in those countries. I'm known right. for Saul, who's this striving guy who even gets hurt physically a mm -hmm. lot and <laughs> never quits. Mm -hmm. And and people were like, uh, I couldn't believe people were like, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. You know, and so uh, we went to a couple writers and they were writing kind of ironic versions of it, you know, mm -hmm. with a little bit of humor or, or a sort of a struggle to justify the violence, you know? And I said, no, 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 I, I no, I, I, I want to just go all the way to the polar opposite of where I started my career of making fun of, you know, conceptualized behavior and human and, and uh, fables and, and kind of conceptualized life, just poking fun at that. I want to go do that. Right. I want to let this person's rage be utterly real and let his fighting be utterly real and and his anger be real. And I'm going to commit to it. And and uh, Derek Kolstad, who wrote the John Wick movies, heard my pitch for just a nugget of an idea. And he went and said, I get it. I want to write that guy. Not and he cool. went and wrote uh, he wrote nobody. Yeah, and he it turned it in. He blew it up. It blows up real big. <laughs> it, it, it blows up and up and up. Mm -hmm. So it, it becomes something far different than um, even like Death Wish or something. You know, uh, the movies we kept referencing were, uh, of course, Derek's, he just loves to write like a mythical uh, world. Mm -hmm. um, 
as you've seen in John Wick, and he brings some of that into Nobody too. Mm-hmm. But we referenced uh, Taxi Driver for that impacted frustration and rage, kind of an un, unhinged guy in a way that I play. And uh, we talked about Old Boy. Oh, yeah, I love Old Boy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, an old boy, he's being kept prisoner. In this case, he's sort of keeping himself prisoner. Mm-hmm. Or you could say keeping that part of himself prisoner. Don't you think people are going to make a comparison to Taken? Sure, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will. Yeah, that's okay, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what was your workout regimen? I learned a lot about working out from Daniel Bernhardt. Um, you know, I... I was never intent on getting, you know, bulked up or muscled up. Um, I always want to play in this movie. I want to play a real guy. I don't want you to see him and go, well, that guy's built for fighting. (laughs) I I want you to see him and go, well, I don't think that guy could do anything. Um, So I trained, really, I trained so that I could do the fighting. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do my own fighting. Um, And I trained so I could do it without getting hurt. And so that I could actually just do it so that I could right. do the moves, you know, so I had the movement in me and and also um, to uh, have uh, the endurance to get through a night of shooting um, or a couple nights of fighting, which is what we had, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what I trained for. I trained to be able to do the fighting well on screen. And in the course of doing that, of course, I built up my endurance and I learned a lot about exercise and working out and you know, as an older guy, uh, the focus was really on um, core training mm-hmm. and um, and flexibility and just a little bit on upper body right. strength and uh, build, but not a lot. I don't, it's really important to me that I don't come across as like, I really should, that you saw the moment in the movie where I say, I'm going to fuck you up. That's yes, the best, where you empty the gun? Yeah. And I wanted when I said that for my character to be able to have to express some doubt in his own eyes, uh-huh. like maybe I will or I hope uh-huh. I will or I intend to, but I'm not sure. Uh-huh. I like everyone in the audience to feel what that group of bad guys feels, which is I don't think you are going to fuck them up. <laughs> you know, I, I don't I know you want to, but I don't think you will. Right. And it was really important to me that we we be on that edge when he says that and that we think that we utterly know that he means that, that he wants that to be true, but that it might not be true. Right. And um, yeah. So most of my exercise, I mean, I, my exercises, Daniel showed me how you can really exercise anywhere. He, he, cause we, we, we had the gym at 87 11. We had um, my area here at home that I work out. It's not a gym. And, um, and then we went to gyms along the way, mm-hmm. but he showed me how you could turn any corner of your house, basement, outdoor area into a workout. I'm Great. sorry, who did that? Daniel Bernhardt. Okay. He's a stunt actor who uh, has become more popular and, and known in the last few years. Um, his biggest thing recently was Barry. Before that, he, he was in... Um, Atomic Blonde in a really great um, scene with Charlize Theron. Yes. Anyhow, he showed me a lot about exercise. You know, I used to do a lot of cardio and I still do a fair amount, but he's like, cardio is not 
you get cardio when you do all this other stuff. Yeah. You know, you're going to get cardio lifting weights mm -hmm. and doing all kinds of, you know, exercises that do more to stretch your muscles and, and build your upper body and your core better. Mm -hmm. you know, core is everything. I mean, it's really hugely important. Um, what do your kids think of this? Your new turn. You know, they think it's weird and funny and they don't know what to think and they're tickled by it. Um, I mean, my son loves comedy writing just like I did when I was his age. And I love, I still love comedy very much and uh, intend to do more uh, if people will let me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I don't perceive this as like, this is what I am now, you know? I just wanted to try to do the craziest thing I could think of and and really commit and try to pull it off and and then sit back and and see how it plays. And you know, I had a lot of fun shooting the the fight sequences. They were way more fun than I imagined or even thought. I didn't think about it. I didn't mm -hmm. think well they'll be fun or not fun, but they were really fun yes. because it's a choreography. It's a group effort. You have to work with other people and you have to really, really connect because it's dangerous. You're waving your arms around, your fists around, you're running through places, you're waving guns around, fake guns. Mm -hmm. um, it's dangerous. You have to fucking pay attention. And there's a lot of laughter and a lot of problem solving. Mm -hmm. Everybody chips in when you can't figure out what, how to alter a move for the camera or Maybe the set is different from what you rehearsed on and you need to change it. And um, it's it's really a great group effort and a great deal of fun. Before breaking, I guess what I'm saying, was it hard to earn a living before, you know, patching together paycheck to paycheck before breaking bad? I, I, um, did you ever I think about giving Emmys. up? I have two Emmys for comedy writing. I read that, but mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. What yeah, I, I made a good living. You did? Okay, I'm glad I you I owned houses and... Made a good living. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I wrote for Saturday Night Live for four years. I created my own show with David Cross. Mm -hmm. You probably, a lot of the projects that I did don't appear on my IMDb page, hmm. which is pretty long. But uh, I'd say about, there's probably 30 projects that I made, I got paid for that aren't on the page because they either pilots that didn't go or mm -hmm. or maybe even just script deals that didn't go. Um, but you get paid for those things if they're right. at a certain level. And I, I've made a, a good living and I was acting through that time too. But if you only saw my acting gigs, you might think, yeah, this guy, how does he pay his bills? Acting was secondary for me. Right. I was a writer. I saw um, that you were directing movies. I mean, I, I couldn't believe what I, I saw when I looked into it. Movies. Yeah, I got paid. Um, and I just thought, well, there must be so many. I also other... directed commercials, too. I mean, I do, I've done very well. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. I mean, There's... you know, I, I wouldn't say I've, I mean, I, I, I've done so well. It's I'm, I'm good. I'm, I, I didn't know. What but I, I, I get was. what you're saying. And, and it's interesting to me, you know, some people don't know me from any of the comedy that I've done. And then some people only know me from that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then some people only know me from How I Met Your Mother, mm -hmm. which Funny. is weird to me. But uh, that show has some diehard fans. What was your favorite SNL memory? I didn't have a great time at SNL. It's all in my book coming out in a year or two. Um, a lot of people say they don't have a great time at SNL. Which yeah, is yeah it's, an old, it's an old saw. It's an old story 
there's a lot of pressure there. Like a lot of people, I was very young when I got hired there and mm-hmm. pressure is hard to handle for anyone, uh, mm-hmm. stress and pressure, but it's especially hard if you're young and, and if you're, uh, and if the, there's just, there's a certain amount of like a he- fucking with your head that goes on there that is, doesn't seem meaningful or necessary. And, um, it's a hard show to do for anybody. Um, the best time at SNL uh, was, uh, I mean, there was a, uh, I wrote the motivational speaker for Chris Farley and I, but I wrote that. Down by at, the river? Yeah. I just watched that with my kids like two days ago. It's so fun. Yeah, I, I wrote that. And so that would have been the high point. I wrote that at Second City for him, huh, but, cool. uh, but then it was done on the show. And I was gone from the show when it was done because I had left a few months before to come to LA, but I had written it at second city a year and a half earlier. Mm-hmm. And then, cause I was on the stage with Chris at second city. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really fun being on stage with Chris Farley uh, at second city. Right. Um, SNL was tough. It was tough. I think writing uh, one, one time I remember um, Dana Carvey doing the McLaughlin group and Smigel and I wrote that and we were, it was the lot, it was the cold opening of the show. And we were doing that thing that they celebrate in movies about live TV, where we were changing the cue cards and the show had started. Dana was doing the sketch mm-hmm. and we were still writing little lines in on cue cards that were then being rushed right out to where mm-hmm. he was going to read them mm-hmm. or was reading them, was right. already in the process of reading them. That was fun because that scene was so funny to me. I I had so much fun helping Robert write that scene. We laughed so much and Dana was so funny in that role. And it was that, and he was doing it and we were changing it and, and it worked great. And that was really exciting. But like a lot of people who go to that show, uh, my, my youth and uh, social awkwardness did not help with the already high intensity stress level of, of doing the show. Did you, did you have any conflict with any of the talent? Well, nobody liked Steven Seagal when he was the host. <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> and uh, Jeremy Irons got really mad at me. He got really mad in front of me. I'm not sure he was really mad at me. I'm sorry, oh, Jeremy Irons? Jeremy Irons, because uh, Rob Schneider and I had written a monologue for him and he didn't like it. He was right not to like it. It was fucking lame. Mm-hmm. But he was really mad at us. Mm-hmm. And like, what do you want? Hey, we just don't, you know, it was a, it was a, it was something. <laughs> <laughs> it was not worthy of his talents. How does the monologue come together? Does he come to you and say, I want to talk about these things. And then you go away and write it for well, him. Every, every week is different. Um, and, you know, the monologue is like the very last thing that is dealt with usually on Friday or even Saturday uh-huh. it's written. That one was being written on Saturday. Uh-huh. Um, so there was no time left. Uh-huh. He, he had to do that monologue cause it was the only one in front of him. But usually it does involve, you know, talking to the host about something they might want to talk about, maybe something they're in the news for. Uh, oftentimes uh, there's some, you know, performance that is funny or surprising. Like they play a musical instrument or sing or right. do something that you don't know that they can do. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it should feel uh, lively and off the cuff and, and kind of personal to that person. You should get to know the person a little bit in a way that you didn't know them before. 
And uh, our little monologue for Jeremy Irons did not achieve that and was not good. But but he had to do it. He had to do it. Now I'm going to have to Google it. Um, (laughs) I I haven't seen it since we did it, but I promise you it's not good. What after? And it's no, not I, his fault either. He was right to be mad. Yeah. Um, this is your last season of Better Saul. Better Call Saul. Is that correct? It is. And and then so where where do you see your what's your next goal after Nobody? Is there another show you want to develop? Another movie you want to make? Yeah, I'm working on a lot of different projects. I'm working on many many different projects. Um, you know, I mean my. My life is writing and now working out. <laughs> it's really a part of my day every day, and I like it. Um, but uh, my life is uh, is writing, and I uh, I'm working on I'm working on an an action series idea that's got humor in it that it, that is ironic and fun and silly at times, and um, and I'm working on a book of poems that I wrote for my kids when they were little, and my daughter's doing the illustrations. Mm-hmm. And my son's got a project at Audible that I helped him write. That's a lot. Um, you, just to go back to working out for two seconds, can you just tell me briefly what is your workout? Like you oh, jog in the morning. Uh, I try to stuff. limit my cardio to like fifteen minutes, even though I usually go to a half hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'll do. Put on a, a treadmill. No, a bike uphill, hard, mm-hmm. or uh, stairs. Okay. Then I will do. Um, then I'll do a circuit. Um, and again, Daniel Bernhardt showed me how you can make a circuit out of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll make a circuit, maybe, uh, a uh, hundred squats, a hundred pushups, a hundred, not a sit-ups are not really worth that much, but there's, there's great videos on YouTube that can show you, um, core, uh, exercises. Mm-hmm. So mix that in. Mm-hmm. Pick, pick a video that shows you like seven or eight exercises that are core exercises and mix that in with your 100 sit-ups, 100 push-ups, 100, uh, or rather 100 push-ups and 100 squats. Mm-hmm. Then maybe a little, every day, a little bit of upper body weights and then every other day more. Right. Um, like work your upper body, get it, get it working hard and stretching, stretching, stretching. Right. And again, a lot of, you can put a great workout together on YouTube. Just go and and just range through that stuff. And then probably three times a week, I'm going to do the movement exercises that relate to on-screen fighting hmm. because they're good exercises. They keep you limber. They stretch you. They work your core. And also, I'm prepared in case uh, people actually like this movie to right. do more. Awesome. Um, you have any causes near and dear to your heart? Well, there's a great organization in L.A. called Food on Foot, and I work as best I can to help them financially and also to just be a part of their uh, different um, projects that help the homeless people and uh, low-income people here in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. who need a lot of help right now. Um, And um, I'll always do anything for Autism Speaks, too. Okay. Autism touches my life in a lot of different ways. And I'm sure that's true of a lot of people out there. So, um, okay. I just have a couple more quick questions for you. It's a little sidebar and I just need two minutes of your time. Mm. Um, I take it you text, right? I do text. What emoji do you use most often? A thumbs up. Saves what's time. The, what's the, <laughs> what's the best meal you can cook? 
The best meal I can cook? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Steak. What's something people might be surprised to know about you? I'm the lead in an action movie. <laughs> Pet peeve. Uh, the sound of people eating. Four more. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self? Calm down. Favorite joke? How many strings does a banjo have? I don't have Five many. too many. <laughs> uh, sexiest actress ever. Oh, come on. Just to fuck you up. Ruth Gordon. <laughs> I don't, it sounds familiar. Do I know her? Harold and Maude. Okay. Last question. Is Walter dead? I think so. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of One on One. Don't forget to subscribe and check back in for more exclusive interviews. 